0: Welcome to 105, the official podcast of the OPP Association. My name is Scott Mills
1: and I'm Josh Sutris. We are the strategic communications coordinators for the OPP Association and your hosts for the 105 podcast, the official podcast of the OPP Association. The OPP Association is the sole bargaining agent for the close to 10,000 members of the Ontario Provincial Police in Ontario, Canada. Our members are our focus and our strength. And we aim to provide important information to our members and the public about matters that affect policing in the province of Ontario. And
0: today uh, we welcome our new OPPA director, Rob Jameson, to the podcast to talk about his quote-unquote new OPPA director role. Uh, for those of you listening who are not aware, Rob Jamison was a previous president of the uh, OPP Association for five years, from 2015 to 2020, and Rob is now back as a director. So welcome, Rob.
2: Oh, thank you very much. It's nice to be with both of you today.
1: And Rob, it's, uh, it's great to have you back. Great to see you around the office again. But I got to ask you, we're getting, we're getting some questions out there. Uh, why, why come back? Uh, you know, you left in 2020. You, were, you did some great work as president and uh, needed a step back. And now you're back. So I was wondering if you could uh, just walk the audience through uh, that process that you went through.
2: Yeah. So, you know, being president for five years and working with some great people uh, on the board of directors and head office staff and branch presidents and executive from around the province, it really was a true honor uh, to be in this position and represent so many incredible uh, folks, you know, civilian uniform, active and retired. So uh, having said that, uh, this summer of uh, 2018, you know, when we lost three Uh, OPP officers within three weeks Uh, the association um, you know we we took you know very much what was going on there and we were challenged in many ways uh, to do better so as a result um, you know I remember going back to my office and sitting down and saying you know uh, how are we going to respond to this you know and we need to do better and we need to do more And we need to create something that has never been created before. And I remember saying, you know, let's just put money aside and develop the most integrated and comprehensive mental health program anyone has ever seen. And that's exactly how Encompass Mental Health sort of came to be. You know, the idea that it was going to be 24-7, 365, and bilingual, culturally relevant, and also having residential treatment in there, pre, during, and after uh, supports, unlimited psychological supports, and making sure that, and I was very clear on this point, that when someone reaches out, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a member, whether it's two in the morning or two in the afternoon, when they call, there's someone on that phone on the other end, that basically wraps their arms around that member and does not let go and then from there the triaging and then the beauty of this program is uh, the fact that it is a concierge wraparound service and you know a navigation piece to that so that's really um, where we as an association needed to step up where I'm going to answer your first uh, question there why come back I basically worked for about a year and a half straight, you know, leading and, and working with our team, and uh, you know, eventually um, going through the RFP process and implementing it on March 30th, 2020. Uh, but at the end of that, I, I, I essentially was exhausted. I had nothing left, and I was dealing with my own, you know, operational stress injury at that time as well. I then found myself in uh, Project Trauma Support. Uh, in May, I would have gone in April, but that was the beginning of COVID. And you know, I spent some time, you know, dealing uh, in residential treatment myself with a bunch of other uh, really amazing military members and police, you know, officers from from around the province in Canada. I came back to the association, and the board of directors were really, really good in supporting me. Uh, no one really outside of uh, the board of directors knew that I had gone and you know several months passed and then i found myself at project trauma support again at the end of november so uh, taking some time off at the end of my presidency i was very uh, private about that But also in the summer of 2018, uh, I also sent a a letter out to the membership basically talking about having an operational stress injury and and actually, you know, since then, I've been diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder and whether you call it PTS or PTS with a small d, at the end of the day, the clinical diagnosis that I had was uh, complex PTSD. So with that obviously comes some challenges and I needed to uh, take a step back so I took a knee at the end of 2020. I was off work for 10 months focusing on myself and making sure that um, uh, I was getting my my health uh, in order and uh, dealing with uh, all the trials and tribulations associated with complex PTSD. Having said that, I then went through the return to work process um, which was incredibly daunting. Um, there were some great people along the way, but it was incredibly challenging. And then obviously going through the process of getting my use of force back as well, and some of the challenges associated with that. So, I then worked in uh, the Criminal Intelligence Service Ontario. I had an incredible portfolio, uh, engaging with uh, uh, United States law enforcement partners, everything from the FBI to the Department of Justice, uh, to folks in Homeland Security, up the United States uh, Embassy in Ottawa. And then I was also honored to have the position of the liaison from CISO, a new position to liaise with nine First Nations um police services, ranging everywhere from Aquasini to Six Nations all the way up to Treaty 3 laxul and Nishanobiaski Police Service, and then just dealing with organized crime in general. However, I I love that job, but I really missed uh, being there for our members and our families. And this was an opportunity for my return to work, to get back. Yes, I'm not the president, but we have a great president right now and John Cherasolo in our team. And just to be a member of that team and come back and to provide, um, you know, You know, I've I've come back to to a job that is somewhat similar, similar work, and I just love working with the people from head office, the branch presidents and executive from around the province, and I love representing our members. And it's an opportunity for me with all the challenges that we have, uh, everything from negotiations to staffing to whatever, wherever uh, the team wants to use uh, my skill sets or something along those lines, uh, I'm ready to, uh, to to play an active role. So that's kind of the journey that I've been on. Uh, it's been tough. Uh, there's no question about it. It has not been easy, but in some ways, and I've heard other people who have had complex PTSD talk about this, especially at the most recent gala, in Toronto for beyond the blue where one person mentioned that in some ways it's a blessing and not to go on uh, at length about this But there there are some things that certainly come into play As you go through this process one of them being clarity and uh, you certainly have A, a real clarity around uh, and things are very revealing to you about everything that's going on in your life So in some ways, uh, it is it's been a blessing as well
0: rob uh... well, Thanks for sharing all that with us. Um, definitely experience that is is going to help you in your role, helping others. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt of that. And uh, I think we're quite fortunate to, to have you back on the team. So uh, welcome back. And uh, I just uh, want to clarify for, uh, for our listeners, especially our members who are listeners out there that may not be at the AGM and, and be familiar with the Congress there, what was that process exactly like for you to come back? Like, did you have to put in for this? Did you, you know, do you need votes? How does that work?
2: Well, essentially uh, how it works is, is that
0: if you want, if you're eligible to run
2: for a director position, you know, you, you have to go before the Congress, you have to speak. You know, everyone has a five-minute speech that they they speak to the Congress about. And then the Congress, uh, on the Wednesday of the AGM, uh, they take to the voting machines and they make their choice. And I I had the fortunate opportunity and the, the privilege to be voted in as a director on this board. And it's not lost on me. And um, it's, a little, uh, it's a little emotional for me to even talk about this stuff today. Um, but... Uh, You know, I stand here today and and in large part due to the support that I've received from my wife and my daughters and my family and my colleagues and uh, certainly the people from around the Congress, which is the 20 branch presidents, the voting delegates, who've put me in this position. That's not lost on me and I will continue to, um, you know, earn and uh, maintain their trust and confidence uh, as I go through my term.
0: Well, thanks Rob. I think that is really important to explain that because Uh, Not everybody uh, is in that room, and um, I I think you did a great job uh, explaining that. I was wondering if you could also outline what your new role will entail with the uh, OPPA for our listeners here.
2: Well, you know, with every director, you know, from the president, the vice president, and then there's five directors on the board of directors, uh, everyone is given uh, several portfolios. For me, Uh, You know, I have the uh, PTSD portfolio, I've got the mental health uh, committee review, uh, portfolio, you know, strategic initiatives, and and which really, I really enjoy that aspect of things, basically looking at everything from strategic planning to, you know, long-term, short-term, medium-term objectives of the board, all of which uh, obviously has to go to the board for, for final sign-off, but I look forward to those discussions. And, you know, I've also got the auxiliary portfolio. So this week, I'm up at general headquarters for the auxiliary graduation. And then, of course, being members of the Police Association of Ontario, we go to various uh, conferences and so on and so forth. So everyone has uh, certain roles and responsibilities. And then I've been also given the privilege of having branches four, five and six. So every director uh, has several branches that they liaise with. So President uh, Burroughs out of five, President... Uh, Barbus out of four, and President uh, Pam Campbell out of six, so I work with them and their executive to support their members on a local basis as well within the regions. So it's sort of, um, you know, it's kind of a gist of what we do, and then we work with some incredible people at head office, and nothing we do, uh, we can do in isolation, so a lot of credit go to those folks as well, folks like yourselves. And uh, certainly the branch presidents and executive and the members across the province just deserve, uh, it's, it's just a huge team effort and it's a real privilege to be part of that.
1: Rob, I want to pick up on something you had mentioned earlier uh, regarding the PTSD and uh, a reference to a small D or no D at all. And I wanted to uh, give you a chance to expand on that because I think uh, the language there is important.
2: Yeah, language matters. And, uh, you know, there's some folks that, uh, you know, there is two different from everything I understand. And I don't claim to be a a psychologist or a psychiatrist that can 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 give you the clinical definition. But there are different schools of thought out there. Um, You know, some refer to it as PTS, Some refer to it as PTSD. As I mentioned, I'm okay with being open uh, and i have been open about this since 2018 because i wanted to use my platform for the greater good and to let people know that they're not alone and and let them know that uh, there's others uh so you know i don't uh, for me on a personal level whether you call it pts or ptsd i'm good either way but um, certainly the clinical diagnosis that i received was called complex ptsd but there are others that refer to it as pts with a small d because there are some who do not um, like the terminology the fact that it's a disorder and then there's others uh, who just go straight with uh, pts post-traumatic stress so um, that's kind of how i would sort of sum it up and i and i think it's i think it's it's a clinical difference but i also think that there are folks that uh, from my experience uh, there are folks that prefer it to be called something uh either this or that and and i respect that so uh, until i'm told sort of otherwise because language matters and language is always changing and uh, you know you just have to look back you know not that far back um, you know whether it was my grandfather coming out of world war ii in korea uh you know where you know certain terminologies were used you know, um, you know, for, for our military members who would experience these things, to the language around. So I came on the job in 1995, and these things were just not discussed. So I see how far we've come with language. And so it's sort of in a roundabout way. To me, I see it as um, yes, there may be some clinical differences, but at the same time, I see it more as an individualized difference, and some people prefer one over the other, and uh, I certainly respect uh, whichever way uh, they choose to go on that.
0: Well, thanks for that, Rob. Uh, well, well stated, and uh, uh, I just want to reiterate that nobody's on this road alone. Um, I know for a fact that you have done some uh, pretty intense investigations over your career, Rob, with uh, Quite a, numbers out, quite a number of years uh, serving out on the front lines and also in the biker enforcement unit. And uh, you know you, you elaborated on your recent role with the uh, CISO. Uh, so I, I just think uh, we're very fortunate, as I said this earlier, to have your depth of knowledge and contacts and experience back on our board. So uh, we're, we're lucky to have you.
2: If I could, that's... Uh that's very kind of you to say and uh, like I said though I I feel the same way about everybody at head office and on the board and it is really truly a privilege to represent thousands of people and the more that you get to know certainly as president I had a chance to meet thousands of people Um, you know we've got some really incredible people across this province that do you know they put their lives in the line each and every day both physically and mentally so you know my hats off to them and it's 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 that which has drawn me back to be around so many incredible people. So anyways, thank you for your kind words though, Scott.
1: Rob, we started the episode, you had referenced the genesis for the Encompass Mental Health Wellness Program and your role in the creation of that program. But I was wondering if you could talk to the audience for a minute about what the State of the Union is now with the Encompass Program and where you see it going moving forward.
2: Yeah, it's uh, seeing like hundreds and hundreds of people uh, being able to utilize those services over the last, you know, 30 months, honestly, has just, I don't even have any words. Uh, I am so proud of our team for being able to provide a service that has provided so much support. Uh, to members and their families and there's huge runs on children that are using it there's huge runs on our retirees that are using it and we're talking hundreds and hundreds and as you travel the province more and more people are understanding um, what Encompass uh, is all about and many people have used Encompass we have a great partnership with Carl Dalton and Dalton Associates and their team uh, folks that are professionals and have incredible integrity and so I think it's basically it, it has evolved in a way, if I could, that certainly was first envisioned, and our members uh, deserve nothing less. What I hear these days, and I'm just getting back into it, so part of part of the journey that I'm on right now is to sort of get up to speed on on where it is and where it's going. Is you're starting to see other people in other first responder communities, uh, whether it's you know all across the the spectrum really asking a lot of questions what is this encompass you know what is it that the opp association has you know you know and and i think you know and i talk to uh, the folks that are involved there's nothing like this out there anywhere in the country and so i think we've really created something unique i think that uh, i think it's great that other people are looking to this model because at the end of the day trauma is trauma whether you're a firefighter a correctional officer a nurse a doctor uh, you know, the list goes on, a paramedic. So I think that's the exciting thing about this, is continuing to provide those supports for our members and their families, both active and retired. Um, but I also think what's exciting about this is I see this sort of genesis where other people are looking at how this is designed and how this is implemented and, and the effects of this program on our members. And, um, you know, you just uh, the statistics are just, are, are just unbelievable. And so I'm really, really proud uh, to look back and to see, um, you know, how this began, all the work to get it going. really proud of our team. And to be quite honest with you, when I was off work and sort of keeping, you know, an ear to the ground on how the program was doing, when I heard some really positive success stories or I have members that call me and say, hey, I reached out and, and this program, you know, save the life of my loved one or or really help my marriage or I was able to uh, kick this addiction or I was able to get into residential treatment or I was able someone continues to contact me and make that connection which is stuff that's clearly identified in the coroner's report clearly identified in the report of the workplace culture review of the OPP clearly identified in the roundtables that the OPP did um, so we're bridging those gaps and we are we are working in some ways in tandem with the OPP but also providing these services so it helped me heal when I was off knowing that this was allowing and giving our members uh what they deserve giving their families what they deserve they deserve they deserve nothing less so I'm so I'm extremely proud and I'm happy and uh and I'm just yeah that's that's all I have to say on that really
0: thanks for that Rob i i have another topic i want to address with you while we're kind of on this subject uh you know you mentioned 2018 being a uh you know a really bad year uh for for the opp uh losing members three in three weeks and you know let's be honest here these were suicides and uh, uh that's what led up to these reports that you just mentioned and compass being created um we still are seeing suicides, uh, mind you. They are less, and we're we're definitely on the right track, I think. But um, they still exist uh, among our membership, and we obviously want to do as much as we can for our members to ensure that uh, that they and their family members are healthy. And it's been a a bit of a journey about how we talk about suicide. And you mentioned this uh, championship change gala earlier, and um uh, i know you ha- you and i had recently had some discussions with myself and with other colleagues about the language we use surrounding suicide and uh, in particular this this piece about because of the line of duty you know this person died because of the line of duty and uh, as opposed to in the line of duty where you know somebody's actually killed in the line of duty uh doing their job and uh, also the the piece about heroes in life and i just wanted to get your feedback uh, on all of this uh, because there seems to be a debate about that language that's happening and i was wondering uh, if you could elaborate on that rob
2: yeah so the first thing i would say is that uh, certainly 2018 was an impetus to uh, for the opp association and for all all folks involved uh, to do, to do more. And I, and I still believe that, you know, no matter how much we do, it's an ongoing process and more can and should always be done, especially around stigma. That's one of the reasons why I continue to be very open about just my own journey and stuff. So it's, uh, it's not a weakness, it's a strength, but I will also say that there were suicides before the three in 2018, uh, clearly, um, which were, um, just as um, tragic and uh, I certainly wouldn't want to take away uh, from any of those uh, folks, uh, you know, as well, and certainly any situation where uh, this program, you know, this was brought on in the summer of 2018, but also, uh, and, and sort of born there, but, but there's also a past history as well. Uh, With regards to uh, the most recent uh, gala that I went to, I hadn't been on the board yet, but uh, I was invited to attend by my friend uh, Dilnaz Garda, who uh, is, you know, she talks about her journey and and her brother, who was a Toronto police officer who died uh, by suicide, and uh, she's just incredible, Uh, herself and Crystal Jones. So first and foremost, she has, I believe there's nine chapters across Canada and uh, beyond the blue there's an OPP beyond the blue and uh, it's the gala was incredible but if you know being away from this conversation for several years and then coming back uh, over the last couple of years recently I started to hear this because of the line of duty uh, and not in the line of duty which clearly are two separate things and you know I think and as I said, as I'm hearing this conversation uh, occur, uh, I think, and I've said this to the board of directors, certainly at our next board meeting, I look forward to this continuing conversation about language and language matters. And from what I can gather, and I'm, like I said, I'm just getting up to speed on, on sort of the new terms and, and how people are, are communicating. And I know that uh, Beyond the Blue has coined the Beyond because of the line of duty. It's my understanding that this has received a great amount of support. The other thing that has happened is the suicide memorial at uh, OPP headquarters in Orillia. It is a separate memorial. So I think the approach now is, you know, you know, from various conversations we used to have. And when I sat around the table with the survivors of law enforcement, which an incredible group of, um, of folks... And then you're having the memorial walls, whether it's at GHQ, whether it's at the OPP Association head office, or uh, Queens Park of the OPMF, or the Ontario Police College. So there's there's four walls. But now they're talking with Beyond the Blue of having a separate wall, uh, similar, you know, somewhat of, of reflection. And, and I don't know all the details, so I won't I won't go into it. But I think there's there's more acceptance and understanding and support coming from all areas is my understanding with regards to the language around because of the line of duty and I think there's folks that are out there that um, as we understand this evolving conversation um, just need to understand that uh, the difference between the two Um, you know with within the line of duty as you've mentioned Scott where someone has died in the line of duty and then you've got other uh, folks because of the line of duty and and that's where uh, Beyond the Blue and, and they're coining that phrase and that's where they're going with it so that's my understanding currently. I look forward to learning more and I look forward to uh, you know being part of those conversations on the go forward and maybe following up with you uh, down the road or even be part of further conversation to um, support the messaging around these uh, these two very, uh, very distinct uh, messages.
0: So, what do you say, to, Rob, to somebody who is is offended by, you know, the kind of two terms getting mixed up? You know, they died, basically saying that somebody that died because of the line of duty. If you say that you're mixing it up with in the line of duty and you're disrespecting somebody that died in the line of duty, what what do you say to somebody who thinks that way?
2: Well, I go back to when I first became president, and this conversation uh, was uh, was something that I learned about, you know. And and at that time, uh, there was a conversation around having everyone on the same wall, and so as that conversation went forward. Now I've come back after a break and I'm hearing that in fact, while well, the OPP has done a separate wall, Beyond the Blue is, is doing a separate wall. And from what I've learned is, is that there's a great amount of acceptance uh, from all of the folks uh, no matter where you fall within that spectrum on this conversation. I think what I'm hearing so far And, you know, I always stand to be corrected. I think there's a lot of people with a lot of good intentions trying to do the right things. And I think it's a newer conversation that needs to uh, be shared. So if you are someone who says, well, listen, I, I don't believe that it's because of the line of duty. Um, i don't I don't agree with this or I don't agree with that if that's where the conversation is going, and you've got police associations and police services on board with that and and other folks like beyond the blue and and they're clearly saying this is where this is going. What I've seen already is someone who had an issue with it, but once it was explained to say this is what this means this is this is different from that, then I saw people immediately retracting. Uh, their concerns because they now were educated on the issue. So I think that's the whole uh, answer to this. I think it's just conversations, communications of those conversations. And so everybody understands there's a lot of people that are out there right now that would hear one thing, maybe not fully uh, grasp all the conversations that have gone into that. And I think that the association along with other folks who have vested interests in this need to be part of that process, respectfully.
1: We're coming close to the end of our time together, and I uh, just wanted to ask you before you go, uh, we're trying to encourage and continue a positive dialogue out there. And I wanted to ask you about your three wishes for change in the world. Uh, so anything you could wave a magic wand, what would your three wishes be?
2: You know, I, I, what I wanna see uh, after, you know, I'm coming up almost 28 years as an OPP member. I wanna see uh, folks um, doing the right things for the right reasons, and they're doing it with kindness. And you know, in my career, I've seen um, folks for whatever reason uh, take on um, mean-spirited tone. We have some incredible people in the organization and I'm not trying to say that because it's certainly not limited to the OPP or any other place, but I I just wanna see people be uh, more kind and when you certainly look around the world in which we live in right now there's so much divisiveness you know whether it's in canada or the united states or around the world and honestly uh, treat people the way that you want to be treated the other thing i'd like to say is is that uh, i want to see people um, if you if you're if you're feeling not yourself or if you're feeling uh, that you need supports and you need help um, that those people Uh, Reach out because I know stigma still exists. Trust me when you come out and say uh, that you have complex PTSD um, You learn really quickly that stigma is still a factor and you know, so I really you know, you can you know the resources are there Uh, you're not alone and uh, Whether it's your family whether it's uh, someone that you notice when you say hi to that person in the hallway, you know when they say yeah, I'm okay You know, sometimes it's okay to challenge and make sure, in fact, that they are okay. And just that's my third wish, and just in a very realistic and practical sense, is I just want everyone to have a safe holiday with their family and their friends. And uh, I look forward to uh, engaging with so many people over the next three years. Just uh, take care, be safe. And um, once again, uh, thanks for everything that you do, Scott and Josh, and everyone at head office and everyone at the association.
0: Well, Rob, uh, that third wish to me sounds like uh, advice to be present, be in the moment, and uh, you know, let us work together and uh, be a team. And,
2: well, yeah, absolutely, Scott. And the in when you say that, there's multiple partners, and I think we have an opportunity to continue to work very collaboratively with the OPP and the Commissioner Karik and uh, his team. So. I think there's a lot of opportunities there. And, uh, you know, uh, I look forward to uh, the next few years. Thank you. Well,
0: thanks for taking the time to talk to us. And now that we've had you on the podcast, um, we're in like our 70-something edition now. We're almost up to 80 episodes here. So hopefully, it's the first time we've had you, Rob. Um, I'm, I'm hopefully, uh, you can come back again sometime and update us on the, the progress of all your work.
2: Yeah, it would be my honor. And uh, I look forward to uh, continuing uh, to learn so much about, you know, what's kind of happened over the last couple of years and where we are. And as we get going on these portfolios, absolutely, it'd be a real privilege to come back and and to talk about some of the progress uh, that we will be making. Anyways, thank you again, Josh. Thank you again, Scott.
1: Hey, thank you, Rob. And uh, before I let you go, I actually did hear uh, that you are writing a book. I was wondering if you could just give us uh, 60 seconds on the new book you're writing.
2: Sure. Well, I absolutely am. I uh, I have a professional writer who's working with me and uh, just talking about some of the things that we talked about here today uh, as as president of the OPP Association and, and also some of my experiences and uh, sort of the the mental health crisis that we found ourselves in in 2018, how we as, a, as an association responded to that with Encompass Mental Health, some of the statistics of Encompass Mental Health, which are just uh, incredible. And uh, just as a, a sort of a opportunity to reduce stigma, eliminate stigma, and to provide a guide for maybe others. And what's great about this book is, I will be designating all the um, profits. Uh, to various first responder uh, groups uh, that uh, will be later determined. So, it's uh, it's really going to be. Uh, I'm hoping something really special, something I'm going to be very proud of. And uh, once again, it's just all about, you know, saving lives. It, it truly is. And uh, and that's you know, in, from that from that awareness standpoint. And what's interesting about it is, I want to be able to. There's services out there that would just love to have a program like Encompass and reading that book and understanding some of our challenges and then being able to respond that way uh, gives other people a framework potentially to to do the same thing. So I look forward to it and it's gonna be a, sort of a high level positive uh, way to talk about mental health and um, we have some people in the book as well that are gonna be sharing their stories and I look forward to um, you know, you know, along with them sharing those firsthand accounts. So, thank you for bringing it up, and uh, and hopefully next year um, it will be launched.
0: Good luck with the book, uh, Rob. Any last words?
2: Just the only other thing that I would like to say is, um, you know, it uh, it's been a real journey. Like I said, when when I first went off work as president and and sort of taking a knee as a president of the OPP Association. I can't tell you what that was like. And it was um, incredibly emotional and difficult, but having taken the time to sort of focus on yourself, and I would say the same for other people. At some point in your life, you have to realize that in order to continue, in order to continue helping others, you have to take the time for you. And many of us just aren't built that way but the reality is, is is we need to do that and and if we don't do that we can't be there for ourselves we can't be there for other people and uh, i'm really really moved by the fact that uh, i've been able to come back and and i really owe a lot of that support to my family to my friends to um, some of the positive uh, things even from commissioner karik to be honest and he was uh, amazing through this whole thing. So I just uh, I think with the right amount of support, and uh, once you once you take that time, I think anything is possible. And uh, I just I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for all of those folks. So thank you.
1: Rob Jameson is the newest director of the OPP Association. He joins us on the Ten Five Podcast. Rob, uh, thanks so much for doing this. All the best to you and your family over the holiday season. And uh, please give my best wishes to your family when you see them.
2: I will. Thank you very much, gentlemen.
1: That is our episode for this week. A new episode drops next Friday, and all episodes are always available on our blog at oppa.ca slash media. If you like what you hear, please use the subscribe button on your podcast platform so you never miss an episode. For Scott Mills, I'm Josh Jutras, and from everyone here at the OPP Association, thanks for listening, and be safe.